It was, I preached two weeks ago, then we had our park service, and now I'm up here again. Next I'm aiming for back-to-back weeks, so we'll see when that happens one day. But it's just awesome when you get to start the day with some good news, right? When you wake up, not all the time where you open up your phone, you don't probably see good news on your phone. But today I wanted to share some good news. We have some babies that were born these last couple of weeks. And so I want to announce to Ryan and Cassie Grotkopf, I hope that said that right, I'm German, so maybe that kind of came out there. Uh, uh, there is born to Vander Ryan Grotkopf. He was born last Saturday, October 5th, 8 pounds, 1 ounce, and 21 and a half inches long. And so everyone's doing well, mom, dad are doing well. And then we had another baby, uh, the Heizingas, Katie and Vaughn had their baby as well. And um, his name is Finn, and if we could be praying for Finn. He is, um, he, actually, they, it's great that they found this, but it's unfortunate for him. But he's been having a lot of fluid uh, going into his, his, in his brain area, and they're probably going to have to go in, and they consider it brain surgery to, to drain this fluid um, from his, from his uh, skull. And so if we could just keep the Heizingas in our prayer, pray that God watches over the surgeons and that everything can go. And uh, I also have some more good news. And I was going to be mean about it, but the last time I did it, you guys really, really didn't like it. But Katie and I are pregnant as well. So, yeah. I knew if I, I had, my mind was going all week on how I could play a trick on everybody, but I knew that if I did that again, you guys would never let me, I mean, you still don't let me live that down when I made that announcement, and so I saved you guys all that, all the pain, so we're very excited to be pregnant. Um, when you find out, you know, you're pregnant, it comes with a lot of feelings and emotions for, you, for those of you who have kids, right? And then when you have a baby, it comes with even more feelings and emotions, different feelings and emotions, and then when they grow up, they're, it's, it's full of emotions and feelings. And I'm excited to be a dad for the first time. Uh, I don't know anything about it, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared. And it just got real for us because we got to hear the heartbeat on Thursday. And so you just feel that, you know, emotion that there's, wow, there's a little heartbeat moving in there and it's no longer the size of a blueberry, but now it's like the size of a pear or something like that. And it keeps getting bigger. Um, but you get all these feelings and, and feelings, um, you know, they, they make us do some, some weird things sometimes, right? Like we, we can act weird when we're feeling a certain way. And uh, especially so when you're a teenager and I just had to tell you this story. I was debating whether to tell you the story because it puts me, I feel like you're going to think of me differently after you hear this story, <laughs> is, is what I'm saying. So I was like, Katie, should I tell him this story? And she's like, yeah, you should do it. You should tell him the story. Okay. Um, so when I was in high school, I mean, you, you know, I was a baseball player. And I think this was my sophomore year. We were playing for the district championship. And we were, we were the team to beat that year. And we were facing, in the championship game, actually a school that had never been there before. They were usually the bottom of the barrel, the worst team in the district. And this year, they were, they were good. They were a good team. And they made it to the finals. So we're facing them in the finals. But we immediately just put, started putting the pounding on them. We went up like 11 runs in three innings. And so this team, also known as a very bad team, was also known as a very 
intense, having a very intense crowd, let's say. They were known as the hecklers of all of the other teams. So they wanted to get under your skin. And so you can imagine when you're up 11 runs, they're just going to start saying things to you. They're, they're going after you. You're going after you. Look up your Facebook. I'll say all this stuff, right? And so I'm up to bat, and I'm having a pretty good day. I you know, have a couple hits, and I'm feeling good. And then I get in the batter's box, and I can just hear them chirping away at me, chirping away, and then whiff a pitch, you know? Oh, like, oh, won't they just stop talking? And then swing another pitch and miss. And I'm just getting angrier and angrier with each pitch that comes. And then finally, I just swing at like a, one in the dirt, you know, just a terrible pitch. And by this time, I'm just fuming. And I turn around at the crowd, and I'm not going to replicate this, but I just gave them a very obscene gesture right in front of everybody. Yeah. And, and I just turned and I stormed back to the dugout. And, of course, I got thrown out of the game. I got suspended for four games, and I had to write an apology letter to the, the principal of the school. And uh, uh, it was so embarrassing, like, thinking back. I don't even know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking because I just acted on my feeling. I acted on how mad I was, and I acted out. Can you guys relate? that we act out on our feelings a lot. I mean, some of us, is like, you know, when we're happy, maybe when no one else is looking, but we're doing like a little dance when we get happy. When we're excited about the weekend on a Friday, maybe that Friday feels like it just, it just flows by. You're just cranking out work because it's the weekend coming up. Maybe when you're hungry, right, though? Sometimes, yeah, hangry is also an emotion, I feel. That you might, you might, Give in, even though you're on a diet, you're like, oh, I'm so hungry, just oh, I'll engorge myself here. We don't think, right? Sometimes just the logic goes out of, our, out of our brains, out of our ears, and we just act on how we feel. We like to think we're, we're, we're more rational than that, but if we're really honest with ourselves, we can act on how we feel. You know, there's a lot of emotions that move us. Like I said, happy, sad, but even like insecurity and fear can keep us from doing something. But I want to talk to you about an emotion today that I think that if we could have more of and that we could act more on, that it'll have a great impact in our families, in our communities, and in our world. But unfortunately, this, this emotion, this feeling, it's, it's pretty rare in the world today. We don't see it a lot. It's played down upon. But if it, was, if it was lifted up, if it was acted out upon more by more people, it would change the world. And that emotion, that feeling, is compassion. It's compassion. Our world is sorely lacking in compassion. We could define compassion as a strong feeling of sympathy for people who are suffering and you have a desire to act upon it, a desire to relieve that pain and suffering. We know Jesus, he felt a lot. We know that he felt joy, right, when the kids came to him. We know that he felt sorrow when he was there and knowing of his impending death coming forward. We know that he felt overwhelmed and astonished. But Jesus, when we read the scriptures, he wasn't moved by just any emotions. He wasn't moved by fear. He wasn't moved by insecurity. 
he, was, he had a strong sense of compassion. And compassion is what moved Jesus. We read that in Mark 1, 40. It says, Then a man with a serious skin disease came to him and on his knees begged him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told them. Be made clean. Immediately, the disease left him, and he was healed. And then in Luke 7, verse 12, we read, Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was with his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't cry. Then he came up and touched the open coffin. And all the pallbearers stopped. And he said, Young man, I tell you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. As we can see, Jesus had great compassion for people. And it led him to do great things. And when you leave here today, I want you to understand that your level of compassion will determine your action. That your level of compassion will determine your action. So how do we deepen our level of compassion? If you want to deepen your level of compassion, you can really focus in on perspective and people. Perspective and people. You know, have you ever had a different account? You know, when you and someone else, like, you have two different accounts of the same event, right? Usually plays a lot in car accidents, right? Now you were doing this. Now you, were, you, you stopped here. You went here. And everyone's got a different story of the same thing that happened. This happens all the time with me and Katie. People are always like, what is your story? How did you guys meet? How did you guys fall in love? And you married. And we always tell, someone will always tell the story and be like, wait, 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 no, no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And so we go kind of back and forth. And it's the same event, but we're looking at it from different kind of perspectives, right? And it happens all the time. We can see the world differently. The way we perceive things affects how we feel. I love this quote. It says, the only thing you sometimes have control over is perspective, you don't have control over your situation, but you have a choice about how you view it. We all go through different situations in life, but my perspective can determine my emotion. If I think everyone is you know, out to get me in the world, I'm probably not gonna make a lot of moves forward. I'm always gonna be looking behind my back. If I just see everyone as an inconvenience or something just so I can get more of, I'm gonna, I want to use them, that I'm just going to treat them as objects. And so our perspective of people changes how we act towards them. How did Jesus perceive people? And in Matthew 9, we get a great idea on how Jesus perceived people. In verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people differently. He actually, he saw them through a spiritual lens. Yes, he healed them physically, 
But when we look at the scripture, they are weary and worn out. That wasn't, maybe they were physically weary and worn out, but this is because they were spiritually weary and worn out. And we don't always see that. Because we always have this broad perspective of people sometimes. We see the outside, what car they drive, what house they own, what clothes they wear. But Jesus zoomed in to the spiritual part of their lives. And he got in deep and he's like, these guys are weary and worn out. And in Jerusalem at that time, there was so many teachers. And so you had to obey the law of God. And so everyone, if I wanted to obey the law, I wanted to get right with God, I'm like, okay, I got to obey this. But then you have one teacher over here saying, by the way, you also have to do this. And then this teacher's over here saying, by the way, in addition to that, you also have to do this. And then, so you're getting this from all over the place, from different teachers. And you can imagine as those laws pile on, how weary that must feel. How worn out, oh, another thing I got to do. But how much is like that our world today? There's so many things that the world is like, by the way, you have to do this to be happy. You have to get this phone. You have to, we have a brand new ancient technique that we found that you need to apply to your lives to be happy, to be better. You need to have this and that. And, and, and we're told from all these different sources the right way to go. And we can feel weary and worn out. If not you, then it's happening to the people around you. You can imagine Jesus being there in front of the crowd. I know if I was being followed by a crowd all the time, I would be anxious and overwhelmed. <laughs> but Jesus didn't look him that way. He looked zoomed in and saw the weary and worn out people. Now, how do you perceive people around you? I know I can look at people. I'm like, man, that guy has got the car I want. If, that guy, if I had that car, I'd be happy. You know, he must have it all together. Oh, man, if I could live in that area of Dallas or have that house, it would make me happier. They must have it all together. I need to find out what that guy is doing so that I can get there. And we just look at the physical zoomed out. But if we zoom in, I mean, how many stories do we hear of someone that we think has it all together and inside is just crumbling, just crumbling? Jesus sees that. In order for us to do that, we have to have more compassion. It'll bring us to more compassion to ask the questions, to get involved in people's lives so that we can zoom in. I mean, Jesus was deeply compassionate because he also perceived the world differently. And in Matthew 9, in verse 37, we'll skip down to verse 37, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus saw the world differently. When he saw people, he zoomed in, but when he saw the world, he actually zoomed out. He saw a harvest. He saw plenty. Growing up in Florida... It's a lot like Texas. You don't have apple picking. If you're from like the Northeast or you're from the Northwest, you've probably gone out there. How many, how many of you have gone apple picking before? When I was first asked to go apple picking, I was like, why do I have to go apple picking? 
Like you could just go to the store. Now I got to pay to go out and pick an apple off a tree. And I really wasn't that big of a fan of apples. Everyone's like, no, you have to go. Go apple picking. And so we went, and I remember taking the, the truck out there, and we're walking along. And the first thing I noticed is these apples are like triple the size of a normal apple you'd find in the store. Okay. So I pick one off. And I actually remember the name of the apple. Like that apple didn't have an actual name. But the name of the apples <laughs> were John Gold apples. And I remember taking a bite of that apple, and it was like the scales fell from my eyes, <laughs> and I knew all this wisdom. No, it was, it was like I never knew an apple could taste this good. Is this even the same fruit? I like had to double check to make sure I was eating an apple, and I was like, I looked around, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that there was this many varieties of apples. And I think I ate like six apples that day. Like, I was sick. But they were so good. But it gave me a whole new perspective. Wow, look how big this orchard is. <laughs> look how many apples I can now try. And, and, and I had this such narrow view of what an apple was. And now my world was completely changed. Jesus saw the harvest. You have to zoom out sometimes from your life. Because we get so caught up in my problems, my issues, my world, that I forget that there is an abundant harvest all around me. That there's so many people out there that want to know God, that have issues, that have problems. And we have to zoom out in order to have compassion because we have to look at the harvest around us, and not just at our own lives. But it's very interesting Jesus uses the idea of the harvest to explain this to his disciples. And, you know, it's perfect that I'm so glad there's a pumpkin up here, because I want to talk about pumpkins. Um, we're going to the pumpkin patch today, but for a pumpkin, you know, to be harvest, harvested, I looked this up, you have to do it at the right time, okay? Because if you if you harvest the pumpkin after a frost, it'll ruin the crop. So you literally have to pay attention. The farmers have to pay attention. When is it going to drop below a certain temperature at night? Because if it hits a certain temperature and that frost happens, you might be kissing all your pumpkins goodbye. And so in a harvest, there's only a certain window in which you can harvest a crop. And it's the same for the world. It's the same for us. There's times when our hearts are more open. And so as we look and we see this abundant harvest around us, there's a sense of urgency that we need to have. And we need to zoom in on people and their spiritual lives and be like, hey, is this person, is this person open to God right now? And asking the, the specific questions and then zooming out and looking around to see the harvest before it goes bad. You know, there was a, a friend of mine who's named Kalen, and man, Kalen was just like the greatest dude ever. And if you're like me, when I go reach out to people, I can just invite them to church. I'm like, oh, do you want to go to church this Sunday? No? Okay. And do you want to go to church this Sunday? No? Okay. And sometimes I get in that habit, and I call that sharing my faith. But really, I'm just inviting people to church. And Kalen, man, he convicted me because when he would go reach out to people, he would start just, hey, how are you doing? 
And then they'd be like, okay. And he's like, oh, really, how, how are you doing today? And he would just keep digging. And not everybody would respond to that. But man, those people that were ready, that were ripe, that were, maybe they seemed like they had it all together there. They just, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not doing all right. And you know, he didn't like necessarily dive in deep, but he would slowly get in there and help pe- bring people out. And he brought many, many, many people out to God to get to know God because he was willing to zoom in to their life and get into their hearts. So your level of compassion will determine your action. And in order to be more compassionate, you have to zoom in and you have to zoom out. This is going to challenge the way we think. But what, but what do you need to do? How do you zoom in more? Well, I think that we just have to be willing every day. Like, I need to talk to someone. I need to get deep into people's lives. And it could be the person you sit next to at work. It could be the person that maybe you commute with. It can be the person you see every day at lunch. There's just people around you. And what I love about this scripture is that Jesus noticed the harvest, and the first thing he did is he prays. He prayed for the harvest. Praise God, you're in control of the harvest. You're the Lord of the harvest. Send out workers into your field. And when we're more compassionate about people, we're going to pray more, naturally. Our action will be to pray more. But what does he do the next thing? If you skip to the next chapter, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. He prays about it, and then he sends them out. And like that, when we pray, we got to be ready to be sent out. we got to be ready to take action and go and be in people's lives. We're going to have to get out of our comfort zones. But being more compassionate allows you to do so. And so what would, what would our church like look like? What would our families look like when we do this, you know? And I think we'd have to find a bigger room if we grew more compassionately. And I'm not saying that there's not compassionate people in this room. There are people in this room who have a level of compassion that I can only aspire of getting to. But if you're like me, I can feel like I can lack compassion on a daily basis. And I need to deepen my level even more. And what would that look like at home? When you're more zeroed in and focused in on your wife or your husband, not just the physical outside, but the spiritual side. What do they need? Can I help relieve it? Can I help them? Can I pray for them? Your kids. What about at work or at school? What can we do to be more compassionate? And as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, men and early today, because I want to go to the pumpkin patch. <laughs> I need to go home and get ready. I want to read this passage to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but it's in Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And God's compassion, it never fails, ever. And he even sent his son to this earth who lived a life of compassion, who died on the cross because of compassion. 
and was risen again, it didn't fail. And it continues on. And we have to take that compassion of Jesus and live it out in the lives around us. So maybe you're sitting here to thinking today too, like, I, I need some compassion. Grab someone beside you. Grab someone near you. And be like, hey, this is where I'm at. I just want to share this with you. Maybe we need to have some conversations afterwards of just, hey, how are you really doing? And maybe you feel like, man, my heart feels ready for God now. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be harvested. Or maybe I feel like I'm, I'm that close to, to being there. I just need a little extra help. Grab someone. Talk to them. Because it's, it's about compassion. It's about compassion for one another. And it's going to move our hearts. And so as we leave here today, let's pray that we can go out and be more compassionate in our homes, in our communities, and in our jobs. Don't forget to zoom in to people's lives. And then you've got to zoom out sometimes and see how abundant God's harvest really is. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we're grateful that, one, you are Lord of the harvest, that you are in control. And if we're disciples here today, we can just think back to that moment that our hearts were ready to come to you, that it was by your compassion and your love for us that we saw we needed to surrender ourselves. And I pray that as we reflect on that, we can go out from here this week that we can have the mind that we want to deepen our compassion so that we can take the right action, Father. That we can zoom into the people around us and see what's really going on, but then zoom out and see, wow, so many people need to know you. So many people need to know your compassion. Help us, Father. Help us grow. As your heavenly name I pray, amen.